All right, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to take a little uh, little break from Mark for one week. Normally, whenever there's a family dedication service, I like to uh, kind of set aside that day to talk about the family, to talk about parenting. And I, re- I realize that everyone in here may not be a parent. You may be a grandparent. You may be an aunt or an uncle. You may have friends who have kids. But there are kids in your life probably somewhere. So I don't want you to check out just because you're like, oh, that's a parenting sermon. I don't have to pay attention. Uh, There is relevance for all of us because there are children everywhere. And um, whether you work with them or live by them or live with them or whatever, there's something in here for all of us. But I am kind of like targeting parenting, but I think there's something for all of us to learn, even just as disciples. Um, To be a parent is to be a teacher, To be a parent is to be a teacher. And I don't mean teacher in like the kind of Western sense where like you, your kids get on the school bus and they go to school, they go in, the teachers uh, instruct them, they test them, all that kind of stuff, and they put them back on the bus and they send them home. I don't mean a teacher like a school classroom teacher. Um, I'm talking about a different kind of, of teacher, one that we see in Judaism where you have a rabbi and you have his disciples. Rabbi just means teacher. Uh, It is a a very important title, but in its most simple form, that's what it is. It's someone who is um, like very educated in in Jewish law and is able to communicate it and to teach it. You know, not everyone, not everyone is, is wired up to be a teacher who can take something and instruct others and bring them along and educate them in it. So a rabbi, that's really what that word means. It means teacher. And a rabbi would have disciples and those would be his students essentially. And so what I am proposing is that parents are rabbis. Congratulations. Parents are rabbis, children are disciples and students, and that you have this little group. So if you were to go to uh, Israel today, um, uh, several years ago, uh, the church gave me just one of the greatest gifts ever, which was sending me on a trip to Israel. And I saw this in different places, but especially in Jerusalem, you would see uh, a rabbi walking around, walking along, and he would have a couple of teenage like boys like right behind him, and as a group, uh, it's called a, a talmudium. Is the group of disciples, and so you have the rabbi, you have his talmudium, and so as a parent, your talmudium may just have one, or you may have two or three or four or whatever. But as parents, you are like that little group walking around the teacher and student, the rabbi and disciple. Um, So Luke chapter 9, most of us as Westerners, most of us us as uh, non-Jewish, ethnically most of us, our understanding of disciples pretty much comes from the Bible. It comes from Jesus and the Twelve. And, uh, but it's really, it's, it's more broad than that when you look at Jesus's ministry as a whole. And so for a few minutes, I want it to, I want you to think not as a parent, but I want you to just think as a, just a normal human for a second. Uh, not a mom, not a dad, not a whatever, just a person. Um, and look at nine verse 23, just this one verse. 
This is the, this is the language of a rabbi and his disciples. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you've been around church for a while, you, you maybe heard that verse before. But unless you have some sort of like connection to Jewish life, you wouldn't recognize that that is the language of a rabbi. That's the, that's the terminology that they, would, that they would use. And that to break the verse down a little bit at a time, he talks to, it says, if anyone would come after me, that, I, that phrasing of come after me, that is, that's what is essentially inviting a student to be in the classroom, in the Talmudium of, of a rabbi. That's the phrasing that they would use. If you want to come after me, which I'll talk about in a second, um, then, then, you, then you can do that. This is like rabbinical language. Notice that he says, though, if, if anyone would come after me. This is outside of the norm. Uh, Jesus did a lot of things where he would go in and he would shake things up. Uh, by doing it differently than they had done it for a long, long time. And um, he wasn't just trying to be like a troublemaker. He was, was trying to show them something. He was trying to set things right side up that had maybe been turned upside down. And so his, his invitation, if anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to be a part of my Talmudium, my classroom of students, uh, that invitation was much wider than, than normal. So typically a student would approach the teacher. They would go to the, the, the disciple would go to the rabbi and say, I want to study under, under you. And so from the beginning, Jesus is, is um, he's going to them. We see him go to his disciples instead of disciples going to him. So he's already reversing the flow of how it normally happens. Uh, and typically they would go to the rabbi and they would say, I want to study under you. And the rabbi would then determine if this, if this boy, uh, basically if he, if he could cut it or not. Like, does he have the right stuff to follow after me? And the underlying thing there is that the goal of the, of the disciple was to become just like the rabbi. So the rabbi is looking at this kid and saying, can this kid become me? Can this kid uh, do what I do and do it better than me? And so the rabbi would either say, yeah, I th- yeah, kid, I think you got what it takes. Or he would say, sorry, you ain't got it. And he would send the kid back home. The kid would go home, jump into the family business, you know, kind of go about whatever. But if the, if, if the rabbi accepted the student, then the student would, would basically say goodbye to his parents and the parents would go back home. And this teenager would then become a part of this like rabbi's Talmudium and so this was a really massive thing for Jesus to say, if anyone wants to be a part of this. So he initiates it, which was the opposite. Plus, um, he looks at everyone and says, you know what? You all can be like me. Every one of you can be like me. You can, you can do this. Jesus tells his disciples at one point, he says, you know, you will do greater things than I. And that's such a confusing statement. But Jesus, he believes in us as those made in his image, as those that he formed and created, just like these babies that we were like a part of dedicating this morning. He, he knows you. He knows me. And he scans the whole room and says, if any one of you 
wants to become like me, you can do it. I, I believe that you can do it. And, and he invites them in and he says, here's, here's what you have to do in order for that to happen. The first thing he says, let him deny himself. That's probably why a lot of people don't want to follow Jesus because self-denial is, uh, it's brutal. Because we are very self-driven people. We're, we're kind of wired up that way from the beginning. And so a part of following Christ is, is learning to say no to just our own desires and to look at him and say, it's really whatever you want for me. I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm fallen. I'm, I'm in trouble on my own. You are perfect and holy. And so self-denial is basically saying no to the broken voice in your head and saying yes to the holy perfect one. So he says, if you want to be like me, you got to say no to yourself. The second thing he says, and you got to take up your cross daily, which can be interpreted different ways, but they all boil down to the same thing, that the cross for Jesus was an act of obedience. And so he's saying it's obedience no matter what it costs you. So for him, obedience cost him his life. For you and I, obedience may cost us various things, when you push those together, we're saying self-denial. We're saying my life is not about me. My life is about you. And so whatever it takes for me to be obedient, I'm saying yes to it. Jesus says if that's the heart you have, that's the desire that you have, if that's the kind of person that you are, like come, come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross every day. Daily obedience no matter what it costs you. And then he says, and, and follow me. Now that's where the that's where the rabbi teacher thing kicks in. That's where that's where things like change for us if we're thinking teacher in a Western classroom sense, because for them the the, the disciples the Talmudim they learn from the rabbi by going through everyday life, and so they would follow him around. So they would say goodbye to mom and dad. Mom and dad would go, and he would become a part of this Talmudim, which meant just living in the shadow of this guy all the time. And so it's learning by immersion rather than learning by classroom. And it was this like 24-7 relationship. That's what he's describing here. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Means walking in a relationship, walking in the shadow of Jesus as our rabbi. And I've, I've done some reading and stuff like that on this like, rabbinical life with his disciples. Let me tell you five things real quick that these disciples would do, what it meant to follow after a rabbi. What does it mean to follow? Here's five things that it meant for them. The first one is that they would watch. They would watch everything that he did. So every action, every interaction, every reaction, anything else with action, he, they saw it all, right? They just observed and observed and observed. Second thing is that they would listen. If the rabbi would stop to teach, they would just hone in on, on everything. They would soak it all up. If the rabbi was having a conversation with someone on the road, they were eavesdropping because they were supposed to. It was okay. Not like when your kids listen from the back seat. Not like that. They're not supposed to do that, but they do. Uh, this was encouraged. He was like, I want you to listen to everything that I say. I want you to listen to all of, of the things that I'm teaching. Um, I, want you, like, I want you to listen to the jokes that I tell. I want you to listen to the tone that I use. I want you to, to hear the attitude that underlies everything. I want you to notice the words that I choose to use and the words that I don't choose to use. 
They were watching, they were listening. The third thing that they would do is they would ask a ton of questions. We see that with Jesus and his disciples. So they would ask for clarification, they would ask for a better explanation of something, just things that they were curious about, but just question, 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 question. The fourth thing they would do is they would take everything that they were watching and listening and, and questioning, and they would kind of pack that into their lives, and they would imitate the rabbi in word and in deed. So the more they were around him and they listened to him and they watched him, they began to, to try to like imitate that in every sort of way. Because the goal was to become like him. And how better to become like someone than to act like him? To pretend to be them, to imitate them in a very flattering way. And the last thing that would happen is, a, is, a, is just a becoming. The longer these disciples would, would do those four things, they would become like them. They would start to talk like the rabbi and think like the rabbi and handle situations like the rabbi. And the rabbi would test them. So we see Jesus sending the disciples out and then bringing them back in. And there's this, this transfer of ministry that we see with Jesus and the 12, but that was what rabbis did. And so there was this becoming, and there would come a point where the, like the disciples were ready to then become rabbis themselves. That's how it worked. And so Jesus... Again, don't think parents, think just normal humans. Jesus is inviting every single one of us, every person on the entire planet that has ever lived, he says, if you want to come after me, if you want to be like me, deny yourself, it can't be about you, obedience at any cost, every single day, and immerse yourself in a life with me. It's like the difference between learning a language in a Spanish class where you're learning with flashcards and exercises and stuff, Versus like being dropped into a Spanish-speaking country for a couple months. You can learn it a little bit in the classroom, but you're really going to learn it when you're immersed in it. That's the difference. Jesus says, don't, don't learn about me only in a classroom. Walk with me. Make me a part of your everyday life. I'm going to give you this book. I'm going to give you this community. I'm going to put my spirit in, in you. I'm going to make this a possibility, but this is, this is what I have for you. This is my will for your life. Make no mistake about it. It's not always easy, but it is as simple as that in concept. So, immersed in life with Jesus. Parents, I don't know, and let me shift to the parent part. Parents, I don't know if this is sounding familiar, but it should because uh, this is happening in your home. What I just described is happening in your home. It's happening in the car. It's happening at the ball field. It's happening at Walmart. It's happening all the time. Your little disciples are looking at you as their rabbi or their rabbis. And they're doing all of this. And God set it up this way. You're probably familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was the primary text in Judaism. Starts off, 6 verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So it starts off, this is the great commandment. This is... This is um, like God's big plan for you. This is the big idea. 
following after him is how that becomes reality in our lives through what Jesus has done on the cross. But he's like, hey, the, the point is to love God. These words need to be on your heart. And then look what he says in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them while you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Parents, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like like a life of immersion for these little disciples? Because that's how God put it together. He looked at you and said, uh, whether you trust yourselves or not, I trust you with this little kid or this little group of kids. And I'm going to form this little rabbi-disciple connection between parent and child. And they are going to do with you what these rabbis in their Talmudium did there, what the 12 did with Jesus and what he did with them, and what he is inviting all of us to be a part of. It's, it's this really consistent thing across all of Scripture. So whether it's parent and child, or whether it's a family of faith doing this together, or whether it is a, is a global call that Jesus puts out to the entire planet, he is so consistent with what he's doing. It says, you as adults, you are teachers. The young ones are learning, and they will one day become teachers themselves. It says, go into all the nations and make disciples. And, and he says, teach them to do what I have taught you to do. So this is the cycle. And so parents, you have to think of yourselves in a way that is consistent with how God looks at you. You have to take on that mantle of rabbi, of teacher, of expert in following after the Lord. Because that is what God has called you to. And we in the room who are uh, aunts and uncles, okay, maybe your grandparents, maybe your friends, maybe you don't have kids, but your friends have kids. We are a part of this church family. There's like a billion kids back there, right? This is for all of us as well. So I don't have kids, so I can be like, oh, this, this ain't for me, except for the fact that there are kids around me all the time. And kids, are, they're going to look at mom and dad as primary rabbis, but they're going to be like, man, mom and dad got a bunch of other rabbis too. There's a bunch of teachers around them. So every tall person, we, we got to own this. Now we can be intimidated by it or we can embrace it. We can see it as something to shy away from or we can see it as an opportunity that our good and wonderful God has trust, entrusted to us and we can go for it. So thinking through those five things that kids are doing, parents, they're watching you. They watch everything you do. They watch every interaction that you have. They watch every reaction that you have. So give them something that looks like Jesus. I'm not telling you something that you're not trying to do. Okay, I'm, so don't, I'm, not, I'm encouraging you in this. But to realize that these disciples are in your shadow whether you realize it or not. They're watching you. They're listening to you. So like, just, just shower them with the truth of who they are, of who God is, of what he says about them. Build, build them up. Our world, we tear each other down constantly, don't we? It's just, it, you can't escape it. We're, just, we're beating each other down all the time. But home should be a place where like, life is, is breathed into them. Mom and dad should be the biggest truth speakers for them. 
And that will happen when mom and dad are pointing them to their savior as their truth speaker. And then when he becomes the great voice, then you can high five each other and be like, whew, we did it. But speaking that truth and those words of life to them is so important. And because they are listening, when you talk down to them, they, that goes deep to them. If you shame them, like that, that wounds them in ways that are, it's just so difficult. But when you are, are breathing those words of life, and not only to them, but also to one another. Mom and dad, only, like you're only speaking just these incredible words to each other. That when, when, when mom or dad or mom or who, when adults are speaking to each other, that, it, that we are that community and they're like, man, there's so much hope when, when all the church people get together. It's such a hopeful thing. It's so unique. That's what we, we had to work for that, to strive for that, recognizing that they are coming up along in those ways. They're going to they're gonna ask you tons of questions, aren't they, Parents. Especially the older the, that they get, I love the fact that like um, there are times when I'll say something, not anything that's like I try to like be very careful with with uh, with my words from this position, and with you know, so, so I, sometimes I'll kind of take a roundabout way to say something that maybe is like encoded a little bit. But there are times when I'll say stuff; it'll just be about something like random, and your kid on the way home is gonna be like, "Hey." In fact, one of our like young men came up to me today. He said, "Hey, does Jesus love Satan?" And uh, Dad looked at me like, I, and I looked at Dad like, I, I don't. <laughs> They're going to ask those questions, and it's and it's so it's beautiful. It's you, we have to encourage that. We have to be very quick to say, "I don't know the answer to that, but I'll see what I can find out." Um, we. But we have to know our own stuff a little bit too, right? Like you have to be prepared for that. And so being ready for those questions, but encouraging them. Curiosity, God made them curious. He made them seekers and learners on purpose. And we're put there to help them with that. They're going to imitate you. Some of you are starting to see that a little bit. You ever hear your kids say something that they shouldn't say, but they don't know that they shouldn't say it. They just know that you said it. You're like, I know you don't know what that means, but uh, I know where you got it from. <laughs> They're going to they're gonna imitate those words and deeds. And um, there are, are times when, uh, when, as kids get older and you're like, you can just kind of pick up on those patterns and things. And so what, what we all want to do is we want to give them a life that is worth imitating. Right? Like, we, we want to live the kind of lives that, are, like, that we would want replicated. So that's what, that's really, I, I think what it comes down to in many ways is, is for the moms and dads to, to sit down and figure out, um, are we living a life that we want duplicated? Are we going to be th- those adults who are like, look kid, don't be like me when you grow up. Don't do like dad. Don't do like mom when you grow up. Or are we going to kind of be in a different category? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. At first, that sounds kind of sounds arrogant to me, you know? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm imitating Christ to be like me. But that's, that's, not, that's not his attitude there. Paul is saying, look, I'm going for it. And I'm imitating Christ. And so you imitate me imitating Christ. That's what I'm doing. So moms and dads, you're, you have to be the confident imitators of Christ like we see with Paul. 
It wasn't just this one time. There's six other times when he said it in, in, in these different letters and he was addressing. Like, that's the way that he lived. He's like, well, uh, I'm following Christ. So if you're unsure what it looks like, just do what I'm doing. I'm just doing what he's doing. That instead of shying away from such just a really amazing opportunity and saying, I don't know if I can do that or not. We say, no, I can do it because Jesus said I could do it. Jesus invited me into this. And our rabbi, Jesus, would not say yes to us if he didn't believe that we could do it. And the truth is, he, doesn't, he believes in us, but he really believes in his work. He's like, look, I can do anything. I cast demons out of people. I can bring people back to life. I told the, the storms to be quiet. I'm, I did the loaves and fishes thing. Uh, we've been studying. He's like, I can do anything. So I can take your train wreck of a life, and I can make you do greater things than me. So when he looks at you and he believes in you, know that he's really believing in his power to take our disaster of a life and like, make something beautiful out of it. And so it's never, it's never really about um, anything other than Jesus at work among us. And so will you, will you follow in this pattern? It's basically twofold. The first one is universal for all of us. We look at a verse like, not, like Luke 9, 23, and we dive completely into that. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to be obedient no matter what it costs me every day. And I'm, I'm going to be immersed in life with Christ. I'm walking in his shadow in every possible way. That every, every one of us in this room is called to that. And if you are a parent... Then you jump into that 1 Corinthians 11, 1 mindset. You look at your kids and you say, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. And when that is happening more and more and more, these kids are going to grow up in a culture, like a church culture, that uh, is going to be, it's going to be the scariest thing in the world to our enemy. Because we're going to have, we're going to have people, like these kids growing up, and they're going to be secure in their identity. They're going to know who Jesus is. They're not going to believe the lies that are coming at us all the time. They're going to be able to separate truth from lie. Um, they're going to be able to grow up, and uh, they're going to do bad on a test, and it doesn't wreck them. It makes them mad, but it doesn't wreck them. They're going to have some goofy boy break up with one of your daughters one day and break her heart, and she's going to be sad, but it's not going to like send her reeling in her identity because she's like, my identity's not some dumb boy. They're all dumb anyway, right? But my identity is secure in, in who I am. Like all these things, we're creating a culture of discipleship that they are able to grow up into. And there's just that point where they're like, yeah, I never really had to switch from thinking this to thinking this. Because I've just always, truth has been around me from the beginning. So adults, Luke nine twenty three, Jesus invites you into that. He believes in us. And if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, whatever your connections are to these little disciples and these little Talmudiums that we have, let's embrace it. Let's tell them to watch us and listen to us and question us and imitate us so that they can become not like us, but about the one we're imitating. So if you don't think you can do it, Jesus says that you can. If you think that it's too late to change, Jesus says that there's still time. And if you think your kids are too old to be influenced by, by you as a rabbi, think again. God's entrusted us to one another. And he is at work. And so we just need to say yes to him. So what we do, if you're new to things here, we, we kind of have a response time that offers you a couple of options. Because um, everybody's different. 
God, whatever he's stirring in you today is just going to be different. So we want to give you some choices, if you will. One choice would be uh, these like, is just to just pray and just talk to the Lord. You can do that where you are. Uh, some folks find it helpful to come and to kneel at these steps. And so if you want to, these steps will be open for you to come and do that. Um, in terms of prayer requests or financial giving, there are stations here on the corners that you can do that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to sing. So maybe singing is a part of your response. We're going to, we'll have two communion servers down here. Um, you don't have to be a member of our church to get in our communion line. If, if, if you want what Jesus is offering to you, we want you, like you're welcome. He's offering his body and blood to you. Now that how we do it is a little different. You'll take the bread and you'll dip it in the juice yourself and you'll take it. And what they will say is the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. Everything that we're talking about today is made possible because of what he has done. So he is offering that gracious connection to you and to I. And so if that would help you solidify what's stirring within you, you're welcome to come. And there'll be some of our ministers on the front row. If following after Jesus is never something that you've like, you never looked at your rabbi and said, I'm taking this offer uh, we want to talk to you about that and pray with you about that and, and see how we can have a dialogue because that's the most important thing that can ever happen in your life. And so whether, whether you're singing or receiving communion or praying or giving or any of these things, there'll be a lot of movement around the room, but it's all aimed in the right direction, okay? So let me ask you to stand as the band comes back. We're going to sing a little bit as these things are going on and then we'll close in just a few minutes. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you, you know us inside and out, and you, um, you know that when it comes to us being transformed and becoming like you more and more and more, uh, you know that we have a lot of doubts about being able to do that because... We see our faults and our brokenness and we see the struggles and all those things. But help us to hear your, you saying yes to us. May that be louder than any objection that we have. We can't, we can't deny ourselves without your help. We can't be obedient and take up our cross daily without your help. We can't follow you without your help. And so you're, would you take our willingness and empower our efforts? And however that trickles into parenting and friendship and marriage and all these other things is fine, but you're primary for us. And so as we respond in these different ways, we, would, we just want to be faithful to what you're stirring within us because when we dismiss, life kicks back in and it's easy to get distracted. So would you help us just to connect with you even more deeply in these few moments to respond to whatever may be stirring within us? Um, and just may you have your way in this place, in these closing moments together. We love you very much, and we pray all this in the good and perfect, beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So our uh, communion tables are open. You can come whenever you're ready. We'll start singing here in just a second, but this is your time with the Lord. So you, uh, you do whatever it is with him that you want to.